Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's wonderful to see you all, and uh, it's really a privilege to be here this morning together. Thank you, Wayne. Very good. The best, the best guy I've ever had to help me with that. Thank you, Wayne. So, so good. It's a Christmas treat right there. Get down. Get down in Jesus' name. There we go. Good. It's wonderful to be here together. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Christmas, um, but I'm also, above Christmas, I'm a massive fan of my wife, Fiona. She's at Milnerton this morning, but I want to tell you, uh, she, we've been married for just under three years now, and in March, we'll be expecting our first little baby girl. Very exciting. Yeah. And uh, we, we're actually praying and trusting for a redhead, so just hold for thumbs with us. It'll be a Christmas miracle. Thank you, Lord. Very exciting. But just while I'm on, on the topic of Fiona, uh, I'm, I met Fiona in, in this very building, this very room that you're sitting in about four years ago. I met her in the corner just over there, and uh, the light was perfect. It was on her. She, she tossed her hair in slow motion, as one does. And I saw her, and I fell head over heels in love. Not a word of a lie. From the moment I saw her, I was that weird guy who says, I want to marry that girl. I'm that one of those guys, you know? She, unfortunately, didn't feel the same at the time. Uh, she needed a little bit of convincing. And that, uh, that game of back and forth between the, the two singles people began uh, on, a, on, a, on a, a week after. It was a Sunday night after that. And she gave me a, a message as I, was, I left the property here. It was dark. We had locked up. I was going home. She would already gone home. And she SMSed me and said, hi, Gabe, just to find out, is anyone still at the church? I left my Bible there, my Bible there. Can somebody come and drop it off at my house? And I was like, game on, you know? I was like, hashtag Christian girl flirting. I left my Bible. Mm, yeah, heard that one before. So uh, I went and I, I got the Bible. I dropped it off with her. And I just knew that it was open gates. Time for me to start my flirting dance, you know? That's the first movement of it. Some of you have just gone weaker than knees. I know. I'm married. Sorry. So what happened was, we, that next Monday, I got my phone out, got the trusty WhatsApp, and uh, I started to craft a message that would put Wordsworth and Shakespeare to shame. You know, it was beautiful. I made sure there was just an, the right punctuation. There was not too many lols, just a, the correct amount of emoticons. They would, I read it a few times. I made sure it wouldn't come across creepy. You know, I used different voices to make sure. And then uh, as I thought, this is a masterpiece. This will get the conversation flowing. I know you know that moment of truth, about to press send, you know, the thumb going, and it's gone. You sent, it's done, it's done. It's too late. Can't take that one back. And as it went, you know, they saw it, one tick appeared, then two ticks. That means she had received it. This was before the blue tick days. I know, tough times, tough times. But I knew she had got it, and she had read it, and I was waiting eagerly for that, those famous words at the top of the screen to appear, typing. Oh, you know the ones, you know the ones. I was like, come on, Fiona, let's get going. And um, I waited. And I waited. She didn't reply. So uh, after about an hour, I thought, mm, something's wrong here. Something's wrong. It must be my phone. So I got my, my iPhone, turned it off, turned it back on, wait for the, the Apple signal to appear, you know, loading. The, no message. Okay, what's wrong? Something's wrong here. 
I mean, no, no, no. So it must be the signal. It must be the network. Vodacom. They always let us down. <laughs> hey, if you work for Vodacom, it's wonderful to have you here with us. <laughs> but I remember, so there I did. I thought, let's test this. I t- sent out a few messages, some friends, just to make sure. And they replied back. I was cursing each reply. <laughs> no! That means something was wrong. So I did what every, every self-respecting single guy would do in a moment like this. I went onto Facebook and I stalked her. So I went onto Facebook. I started to look. Where was she last seen? Where did she sign in? Was she seen somewhere? What's her last status? How long ago was it? And I stumbled upon a profile picture which had a, a certain blonde-haired gentleman in the background. You know, my, my imagination went wild. I started to picture them now. The blonde-haired guy with his hair flowing in the wind driving his Corvette around Camps Bay there, his jersey knotted around his neck, neck there, as they went, ha ha, Gabe, <laughs> look at this message. Picture them now. I want to tell you, it was the longest 24 hours of my life. What was she doing for 24 hours that she couldn't reply? She eventually did, but I, 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 big, I bet I'm, I'm not alone here who understands the pain of waiting. If you're a parent and you've got kids, you've had parent, kids who've said since October, ever since Boney M appeared on the, 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 the loudspeakers of checkers around the nation, they said, Mom and Dad, when is Christmas? Is it now? Is it now? Is it now? And maybe you've, you've tormented your children. You've told them they can only open presents once this redhead guy stops talking. And they're elbowing you in their ribs now saying, when will he finish? Soon. Soon. Don't worry. Won't be long. But I want to tell you this morning, briefly, that actually the people in the Bible were well acquainted with waiting. They knew the pain, the hardship of that, of waiting for something. So much so that actually the whole first uh, part of the Bible, the Old Testament, could be in fact called a giant waiting room. As we actually find out that the, the people had received prophecy after prophecy, after message after message, teacher after teacher, telling them, wait, the Messiah is coming. And they longed, they yearned, they waited, they prepared for that day that the Messiah would come. And this waiting and this promise sustained them all the way through as, as, they, went under, as they went into exile, as they slaved in foreign lands, as they were persecuted under uh, tyrant kings, as they were under pressure and, and persecution. This promise of the coming Messiah sustained them and gave them hope. But then we find out that actually... After year after year, decade after decade, century after century, the Messiah still didn't come. And hope started to fade fast. So much so that we get to a place where the Bible is divided, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in my Bible, I've got a middle page that separates the book of Malachi and the book of Matthew. And it's just a blank page. And that blank page, did you know, signifies 400 years From the end of the Old Testament to the start of the New Testament is 400 years. And in that period, there was, it's it's called the intertestimonial period, where there was 400 years of apparent silence from heaven. Not a prophetic word was uttered. No scripture was written. And the people waiting almost felt that heaven had forgotten about them. Nothing was coming from heaven. Hope was slowly draining away. I want to ask you this morning, maybe you've had one of those years, 2016, or maybe the last few years have been some of those years. Maybe you start this year by saying, this was the year that I'm going to fall in love. You're like, Mr. Wright or Miss Wright is going to walk past my door and, and we're gonna, eyes are going to meet and we're going to fall in love and everything will change. 
But she didn't come. He didn't come. You're still waiting. Maybe this was the year that you said, this is the year that my spouse is going to change. And you've actually maybe turned it into prayer. You said, God, please, I can't do another year like this. I can't do the fighting. I can't do the, the, the stress. I can't do the relationship with them anymore. I've waited for my spouse to change, but still I'm waiting. Maybe you've been waiting and this was the year that, that your kids were going to do better at school. Maybe this was the year the kids were going to finally get off your nerves or you weren't going to react the way you've always done. But actually looking back, you're still waiting. Maybe this was the year that you were finally going to get the recognition you deserved at work. They'll give me my salary increase. My boss will at least give me a well done. But a year has come and gone and you're still waiting. Maybe this was the year that you said, I'll finally beat that addiction. This is the year that I'll beat that habit. But a year has come, a year has gone, and you're still waiting. And that waiting's turned to frustration and maybe apathy and thinking, I'll try again next year maybe. Maybe that's you. I want to tell you this morning, our prayer as we've prayed for you this Christmas is that you would leave here this morning with hope leaping in your heart afresh. We pray that the Christmas story, no matter whatever you've been waiting for, the Christmas story would infuse hope into your waiting. I really pray that for you and I. So what I want to do is we flick the page. In the next 10 minutes, as we flick the page from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that one page signifying 400 years, the Bible introduces us in, in, in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to three groups of people. Three groups of people that I'd love to just introduce you to this morning and bring some light on and the, and the process of their waiting as well. So the first couple we find is a couple called Zach and Liz, a.k.a. Zachariah and Elizabeth. We're on first name basis. But Zach and Liz, as we're told by Scripture many times, not just once, not twice, but three times, they tell us that, the, that Zechariah and Elizabeth were old. The Bible is at pains to stress. They were old. In my head, they're old and curmudgeonly. If you're wanting to be a visual person, picture Robert De Niro playing the role of Zechariah and Maggie Smith playing Elizabeth. You got it? Hey? Not the young Maggie Smith, the Downton Abbey Maggie Smith. You got it. Everyone got it. Good. Yes, I watched Downton Abbey. Confession. And I love it. We got Zach and Liz. And the Bible tells us not just they were old, but they also were churched. They were well-versed in, in the Christian uh, jargon, the, the language of the day. Of, of, in our d- times, I can imagine, they came to church week in and week out. Old Elizabeth probably had served on every committee. She was good at serving the tea. She did the ladies' lunches as well. And Zechariah, was a, he was a good man. He came early as part of the parking team. Thumbs up to the parking team. He was, he was one, they were one of these amazing couple who were involved in church and old, but had been done church for years. But the Bible tells us another thing about them. They had no children. And actually, what were they waiting for? They were waiting, I can imagine, year after year for a baby. They longed for a baby. And I can imagine every year they began saying, maybe this will be the year. This will be the year Zach will, will have a baby. And winters came and summers came and winters went and summers went and the baby still did not come. And they got older and older and hope started to fade in their waiting, longing, hoping. They said, maybe this will be the year. They started to sound like Liverpool fans. Maybe this will be the year. We're still hoping. But I want to tell you, after 400 years of silence, apparent silence, a nation waiting for God and losing hope, God has, in a sense, not spoken to a nation. 400 years. And the first thing He speaks is to an old couple. 
who can't have a child, an old couple. And what is the first thing the angel of the Lord says to him? The angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Fear not, God has heard your prayers. The first thing after 400 years of silence is, Fear not, God has been listening. And God knows. That's our first couple. The second couple are the antithesis of Zach and Liz. And they're called Mary and Joe. Mary and Joseph, if you will. And this couple were young. They were young and naive, happy and in love. The Bible tells us they weren't just young, but they were, they were uneducated. How do I know that? Women in those days weren't educated as well as men. And Joseph was a carpenter. That means he, had, he hadn't made it in the education system of the day, so he'd picked up his dad's trade, just gone and worked as a carpenter. His dad was a carpenter, I'll be a carpenter. So they were, in a sense, young, uneducated. Not only that, they were from a place called Nazareth. Now, unless your geography is really, really good, Nazareth was the backwater hillbilly town of Israel. This was the bumpkinville. This was out-of-the-way place where people made jokes about if they, they, would, they would have joked, they would have said, you know, there's an Englishman, an Irishman, and a Nazarene. <laughs> have you heard that one? They used to laugh about it all the time. So much so, they, late in Scripture, we, we hear them say, nothing good ever comes from Nazareth. Nothing comes from Nazareth. This was, if you will, the Porfada. Again, I say, if you're from Porfada and you work for Vodacom, we're really glad you're here. So glad you're here. But I love this. What were they waiting for? This, this uneducated young couple from Nazareth, they were waiting for a wedding. They were so excited. She had watched every episode of Say Yes to the Dress. She knew what she wanted. She was excited for that day. They had planned it and planned it. And this day, the decor was perfect. They were waiting for the wedding and life to begin. The perfect life. And after 400 years of silence, the angel of the Lord appears firstly to the old couple, then to this young couple. And, uh, and says to, him, says to this, this lady, Mary, Mary, I know you've got your plans, but you're going to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, and you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Well, that's a biggie. Wow. That's a big one. That's a bit of a game changer. And I can imagine as the confusion starts to rise and her and Joseph, and the, the, whoa, 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 what does that mean about our future? What's going to happen? The angel of the Lord follows it up by saying, but fear not, because God is with you. The first thing we hear from heaven after 400 years of silence is, fear not, he's heard your prayers. Second, he says, fear not, he's with you. The third and final group of people that I'd love to introduce you to today often get a bad or a, a small role in the nativity story. They're the shepherds, and uh, we are, all we probably know about them is they're busy washing their socks by night. Washing their flocks by night, sorry, get that wrong every year. These guys, not much of a starring role, but I want to tell you the shepherds and those, that culture were the outcasts. They were the, the redneck rebels of society. These were guys who, actually the Bible, we, we learn it in Scripture and learn in tradition that they were not allowed in the temple. The shepherds had a special place outside the temple because they were seen as unclean, because they dealt with livestock. You could, they can't come in the temple. They were the outcasts, the rednecks. And I can imagine we've got a, a beautiful view of them Lying, waiting for the angels on the hilltop that night. I want to tell you, I think they probably had cheap beer. We're, we're tossing that back, playing some cards and calling each other cheats and sharing the most disgusting, dodgy jokes that you can imagine. Welcome to Christmas. I watch her occasionally throwing a stone at the stray sheep. And it's on this scene. What are they waiting for? These shepherds, what were they waiting for? Probably payday. 
probably just waiting for the, some more bucks and I'm going to get some better uh, tussies. Oh, I need something stronger than that, you know. And uh, they're probably waiting for the end of year party they've been promised by the, the owner of the sheep, you know. Hey, that's going to be a jewel, you know. They're probably waiting for that big day. But on that scene to these outcasts, these rednecks, the heavens open in dramatic fashion. The host of angels come singing glory in the highest. And I can imagine them looking at each other saying, what do you put in my drink? Can you see this as well? Crazy. And it's to these people that the angel of the Lord says, fear not, for today a Savior is born. What is he declaring to these shepherds? Basically, the angel declares, says, a Savior is born, and he's come to save you. And he can save you, the outcast. He's come for you. Fear not, for I have heard your prayers. Fear not, for God is with you. Fear not. God can save you. I want to tell you this, this morning, we've got in the one corner, the old and the disappointed. The couple who've tried and nothing seems to have worked. They've been disappointed year in and year out. And they've just, maybe this is our lot in life. We've got the young and the confused. And no, that's not a new sequel to Young and the Restless. Sorry. The young and the confused. Mary and Joseph, who had their plans, but now the future's exploded upon them, and now they don't know what's going to happen. How will we survive? How will we, what will our reputation be? How will we provide? We don't have money. What's going to happen? We didn't plan for this. And then on the other side, we've got the outcast and the seemingly unconcerned. Whatever. See what happens. To these groups of people, heaven, after 400 years of silence, says, I have heard your prayers. I heard, I've heard your prayers. I know your heartache. I know your fears. I know your desires. I know. Secondly, 400 years of silence, God says, I am with you. I am present in your waiting. I'm present in your pain. I'm present in your mess. Thirdly, he says, I can save you. I can save you. I can redeem all things, whether you're the runaway, the stowaway, the thrown away. No one is too far gone, and no one is too far gone. No situation is too far gone for me to rescue. I've heard your prayers. I'm with you. I can save you. I want to tell you this morning, the joy of Christmas for us is that God didn't just say these things from afar. It wasn't like God just wrote a a nice hallmark greeting to you. Praying for you. I'm with you. And I can save you. Cheers. And you're like, wow, what does that even mean? No. No, no, no. God doesn't just say these things. He actually came into our waiting. He came into our pain. He came into our mess and became one of us in the form of Jesus Christ. In a sense, he put his money where his mouth was. He said what he was saying, but he actually delivered on what he was saying in the form of Jesus. Can I tell you about Jesus? He was born in a stable because there was no room for him anywhere else. He lived a life of being misunderstood and persecuted by his own people. Then after 33 years, 33 Christmases passed, 33 years, Jesus, on the night before he got hung on a cross, he prayed this prayer. He said, Father, take this cup away from me. The the Bible tells us that it was such a daunting moment before he went to the cross that he sweated blood. The anxiety, the fear of the situation, the gripped him of the enormity of it. He said, Father, take this cup away from me. But heaven didn't answer his prayer. His prayer seemingly went unheard. 
The next day, as Jesus hung on the cross, he hung there and he cried out to heaven, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it seemed like heaven, the Father, had abandoned him, left him alone. Later on in that same day, a group of people mockingly walked past and said to him, If you are the Son of God, save yourself. Call down the angels to rescue you. But Jesus just hung there. No rescue came from heaven. No big parade came to pull him off the cross in dramatic fashion. He hung there, breathed his last, died, and was buried. Here's the good news this morning. Is that because Jesus' prayer was unanswered, means the Father will always answer your prayers. Let me tell you, because Jesus was abandoned on the cross, you and I will never be abandoned again. Let me tell you the good news as well is because Jesus wasn't rescued but actually died the death that we deserved, it means that we can be saved and we can live. The Son of God became the Son of Man so the sons of men can become the sons of God. Let me say it again. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. I'm going to call the band up at this moment as we land. I believe there are three types of people here this morning. Three types of people. Firstly, I believe there are those who are looking back, looking over your shoulder, and you see that life has disappointed you. Life has disappointed you. You're a bit heart sore and nothing seems to have really come through for you. There's those, the second group, who are looking forward. Life seems daunting and confusing. You're looking ahead and you're going, how am I going to make it through this month? How am I going to make it to payday? How, I can't do another month with this, this family situation. I feel my marriage is teetering on the brink. I don't know what the future holds. And there's anxiety in your heart. Thirdly, maybe there's a group you're looking around and you say, I've, I've tried it all, but I, I don't actually see the joy that the world has promised me. I don't see the, the life that has been promised me. I want to tell you this morning, this is the moment you have been waiting for. Believe it or not, whether you knew it or not, this is the moment that you have been waiting for. This morning, I'm going to ask you to respond to Jesus who's not just a baby, but who is the king, who is the risen king, who has come and he's saying today, I have heard your prayers. I am with you and I can save you. And here's the kicker. Jesus is waiting for you and I. He's been waiting for all eternity. His eyes have been fixed on you and I. He's been longing. He's been yearning. He's been preparing for you and I. And this is the moment, I believe, for many of us to respond to him. Maybe for you, this is the first time you're saying, actually, I've been doing this game too long. I need to put my trust in Jesus. The waiting game hasn't paid out for me. I'm in. Maybe this is, the, you've walked away. You've walked the road away from Jesus, but this is the moment. Christmas is going to pour hope in your heart as you respond to the giver of life. And maybe this is, you're here tonight, today, and you, you're just saying, the emptiness inside, I'm done with trusting myself. I'm done with trusting my ability to make a plan. I am trusting you, Jesus. I believe he's wanting to speak to us today and do a deep work in our hearts. Can we close our eyes, please?
I'm going to ask you a brave thing. I'm going to, in a moment, count to three, and I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. No one's going to be looking around. No one's going to be taking notes or trying to see whose hand is up. It's just going to be there as a sign to heaven. Saying, Jesus, I'm in. I'm in for your story. As you put your hand up, I want to pray for you after that. But I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to be bold this morning. Make big decisions for Jesus. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. No, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. Will you open the door to him? So I'm going to count to three. One, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart this morning. And he's calling your name. Two, he's heard your prayers. He's with you and he can save you. Three, can you put your hand up and respond to him? Cool. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up to heaven. I'm going to pray with your hand raised if you can pray this along with me. Father, I pray for these people as they respond to you today. Whether it's the first time. Whether it's for a fresh time. Whether it's to say, Jesus, I'm done with the old. I I want the new. I'm done with the waiting game. I'm running into you. I thank you, Father God. No one is too far gone. No situation is too far gone for you to save. I thank you right now. In this place, Jesus, would you pour hope into every heart. Flood every heart with your hope. We pray right now, Jesus, that we are sorry for trusting ourselves. We are sorry for holding on to our lives as if they were our own. We are sorry for that. And today, God, today, Jesus, we say we repent of that and we turn and say we trust you completely. You're the ones that our souls have been waiting for. And we are the ones that you have been waiting for. Today, we choose to come home. I thank you, Father God, for every person here. You hear our prayers. You are with us. And you can save us. Today, we say yes and amen to all of those. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining.